0: Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Douglas McMaster, founder of Silo in London and Zero Waste Icon. Coming up on today's show, Douglas explains how busy he is.
1: very, 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 very busy.
0: More high-level discussion from Phil. I actually don't mind washing dishes. I hate drying dishes. And Douglas describes how easy it is to make pioneering change.
1: The last six years have been like crawling through mud, chewing on glass.
0: All that and so much more as Douglas talks us through his story so far, as well as the amazing journey that Silo has been on since its inception. I'm so, so grateful for Douglas giving us so much of his time. Don't forget to give us a like and a share across your favourite social channels. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hospitality Meets podcast with me, Phil Street. Today I've got a belter of a guest for you and I I don't mind admitting that I am just a little bit of a fanboy but it gives me an immense amount of pleasure to welcome the, the founder and creative force behind the UK's first zero waste restaurant silo, Douglas McMaster.
1: Good evening, thank you so much for having me.
0: You're very, very welcome, how are you doing?
1: I'm pretty good yeah I'm pretty good uh, yeah uh, whilst lockdown is, is is upon us I'm very 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 busy more so than I was before lockdown really? just launched the uh, new project two new projects actually that have come around the same time one is the white building market which is a it's actually in the restaurant in silo which is you know we, we sort of know it as the silo shop um right but it's a Crate Brewery, who's our partner, who shares the same building, and Silo have come together to create a shop which has uh, everything you need in lockdown, from natural wine to the, the crepe beers to freshly made silo, uh, silo butter, all of the silo products, the merchandise, the the goat leather aprons, the you know everything yeah. basically.
0: Like 100
1: products so we launched that which is great timing for lockdown open seven days a week and then also just launched last week the zero waste cooking school which is an online channel both on youtube and instagram sort of around five minute long videos different recipes kind of targeted more for the domestic audience so non-hospitality uh, well everyone can watch but um yep. you know the videos are more like uh accessible to, to 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 those that don't don't have a commercial kitchen and yeah just to slowly introduce the the realm of zero waste into the um into the home place
0: superb so what well, i mean one of the questions i was going to ask you at some point down this chat was around the the concepts that you've kind of come up with and and you 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 know i mean really there was nobody else that was doing it it was you were the first to kind of give these things a go yeah. Sure, yeah. Do you sure. think they're, they can be emulated in a, a domestic environment on a mass scale? Yeah, That's
1: yeah, cool. absolutely. So the, um, uh, last year I released a book called The Zero Waste Blueprint. Now the name blueprint is, uh, is quite important because zero waste is a system and it's a system which is different to the current system, not necessarily that radical. I call it a pre-industrial food system. Right. And that system is a design of, you know, how as a restaurant we trade with suppliers, how we cook and how we compost. It's actually quite simple how we achieve zero waste. It's hard, but it is simple. Yeah. And that is a, a, a design. And I have a, a similar design of a zero waste food system at home. Now, that isn't something that I've, you know, like the book, the the zero waste blueprint was the restaurant design. The next book, which we're going to release in a few years, um, will be basically how the world (laughs) could become zero waste. And I kind of feel quite ambitious, (laughs) aim quite high, how the world could be zero waste. And again, it, it comes down to design and that design is actually quite a simple design to give you to give you I guess to give you some context there, a design of silo um, how to not have a bin the design looks like well it 's quite simple but it's if you imagine three stages or steps or pillars or whatever symbolism you want to give to it, the first one is uh, direct trade, so when we trade directly with um, the origin of Whatever it is we need, whether it's milk, whether it's produce, whether it's salt, when it's a direct trade, it means that, you know, that farmer, for instance, um, say it's a a dairy farmer, creates, you know, a product, of milk or cream, then it's put into, because it's direct, we have the luxury of saying we insist that the milk and cream comes in a stainless steel pail. Now, what's unique about that or, or many other vessels that we trade in is that it's reusable um, and returnable. So when that trade occurs, when that dairy farmer comes in with a pails of milk and cream, the beauty of that direct trade is that when they come in and give us six pails, we give them six empty pails. So it it's a circular system yeah. in which we can physically, you know, give them what they need and that can continue on forever. And there is no single use, you know, plastic milk bottles. You know, it's, we, we, we save about 10,000 a year. I think I worked out. Um, wow. And so direct trade is the first kind of pillar or the first step. And, and that's the real sort of, that is the key to everything. You know, when it's direct, it can be, it can be zero waste. The yeah. second step is, is kind of what you have to accept and this can vary from place to place and supply chain to supply chain you know depending on your end product but the second step is whole food preparation so if you're dealing with the origin if you're dealing with nature you don't have the luxury of pre-processed food so you know the the the, the, the farmer doesn't necessarily mill the flour the the, the guy uh um milk in the cows doesn't necessarily make cheese or yogurt or Creme yeah, fresh right Got so you. the second kind of uh, pillar of zero waste is whole food preparation and that means somewhere along the way we need to innovate and we need to make the products that we need from scratch and so yeah basically in 2014 when We were first creating and establishing this you know this concept this restaurant there was no one along that supply chain that was willing to do those things for us you know there there wasn't a great demand for zero waste you know it's just us basically banging a drum no one really listening Um, so if we wanted milk and cream we could get it in a pail yes but we meant that there was no one along that supply chain to make yogurt to make creme fraiche to make anything so, everything we were putting out from our kitchens was produced from an ingredient that you can be found in nature, and it still is it still is that way um, just because we like to you know we like to stay busy we like to do the challenge of doing everything from scratch, but yeah, the world clearly. has changed um and if you're a if you're a aspiring baker who wants to 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 not have a bin to have a zero waste bakery or a or a cafe it's got a lot easier now. It's 2020 now and the world has changed and, and there is a demand for, for zero waste. So there are people along the supply chain that can uh, adhere to that absence of, of a bin. So for instance, if you're a baker and I don't know, you want to buy some ricotta, there are, call them satellite, zero waste satellites, but they're basically people along the supply chain that are willing to, 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 to make ricotta and to, to send it to, your, to the bakery, for instance, and then it comes in a container, and then you give them an empty container, and then, and then that specular system continues. So instead of farmer and chef, there's farmer, chef, and multiple people along the supply chain that could adopt or adhere to a zero-waste supply chain. But so yeah, whole food preparation, whether it's you know, done on site or not, is the second step. Um, because industrially you know we can't an industrial food system processes food for you now this is a pre-industrial food system where there is no factories there is no distribution you know it's it's a a, a kind of a more holistic food production and then lastly and most simply third pillar of zero waste is to compost so if everything that comes into silo is you know eaten or not eaten all of the things that are not eaten can then be composted and what's unique about that is we've designed a supply chain where we emit anything that is not natural you know there is no non-natural materials there is no single-use plastic there is no single-use anything with the exception of cardboard and glass which is a, a sort of separate subject but in, in, well, I, in, I suppose they're
0: eminently uh, recyclable, at least recyclable as well, though, weren't they? Yes. If you've got the yeah. right system for that.
1: Yes. Yeah, we definitely, could. well, we have and continue to recycle glass and cardboard. Uh, we do, it's a sort of separate subject, but we do have plans to not recycle, to create a solution to the glass and the cardboard, which is not recycling. So recycling, the reason for that is that recycling, it, it's got, it's it's pretty, pretty poor, especially in the UK. There's certain countries that are really good at recycling. The UK is really not good at recycling. And it's, uh, you know, when you get to silo where we are now, we're quite extreme and we're quite passionate about make, you know, just constantly improving the system. You know, it's like a a machine that we're, engineering to to work at the greatest kind of level, the greatest um, performance. And we can see that certain parts of the machine work particularly well, you know, maybe the, the execution of food or the drinks or the supply chain with X, Y, and Z but there are parts of the machine which are kind of outdated and need to be upgraded, such as recycling. So that area of zero waste is, is muddy and it's, there's, there's a lot of waste that occurs within the system of recycling. So we need so we, 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 we you know, in Brighton for instance, we didn't recycle cardboard or paper because it was all composted. Now right. in London, we don't have that uh, solution uh, in Brighton, we just had a local brewery who had a shredder and they would shred all of our cardboard forwards and then it would go into our compost. Now, when you don't have a shredder, compost it, it, it's inefficient. It, it biodegrades inefficiently. So right. you really do need to shred cardboard. It can all be composted. It's easier just to send it to recycling. Anyway, there's, there's a lot of nuance to, to all of this. And I don't want to bore you with that. But yeah. essentially... <laughs> Uh, essentially composting is the sort of final part of the zero waste design. And it's a design to prevent waste from existing. One of the misconceptions that's very, very, very common around silo and zero waste is that it's like, you're using waste, which is so far from the reality. In fact, it is the antithesis of that. We use more premium, fresh ingredients. Than other restaurants because our supply chain is so alive so local localized and so direct that food grows on on a day and on that same day it's on the plate or within 48 hours whereas when you don't have that supply chain and you're relying on wholesalers you may be tapping into food that has been sat in a warehouse for three months you Mm. know an aubergine that's been pre you know sprayed with chemicals and then put into a a single use bag and it sits there for three months and then you're putting that on your menu now i'm sure not a lot of chefs would argue with me when i say that food tastes better when it's fresher you know when it's living there's living breathing vegetable um it just tastes better and so our supply chain virtuous as it as it it aspires to be actually is a, a more premium supply chain that the, the ingredients are just that much better because of the conditions that, you know, we've created or fortified, you know, um, yeah. for the reason of, of, of zero waste. So, so, you know, a lot of people assume that, you know, we, our standards or the quality of what we put out is lesser because of this, you know, this noble virtuous mission, which is actually the, the opposite is true. It's, it's just more delicious and more, of a precious product because of that system that we have. So, yeah, yeah, sorry, I went off on a bit of a run there. But, um, <laughs> well, you're clearly you passionate, point, about your,
0: uh, passionate about your craft, that's for sure. Yeah. I suppose another element of the 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 process of uh, domesticating this, and this is not a domestic podcast, so I don't really even know why I'm going into this. Sure, it's all right. Is, uh, is ed- food education is teaching people how to actually cook properly and uh, yeah. you know we're talking even basics here not being a culinary god you know mm. there's quite, there's yeah. probably a big gap there as well that needs to be filled somehow and i suppose yeah. that's you're, you're trying to fill that gap by by uh, introducing the, the cookery school as well
1: absolutely yeah no it, it was a uh, uh, your podcast as a, a lockdown baby well The zero-waste cooking school is also a lockdown baby. I was sat on on my bum and watching all the chefs in the world making sourdough on Instagram at the beginning of (laughs) lockdown 1.0, including myself, (laughs) making sourdough at home. And then thinking to myself, you know, there's something, obviously, to this. Whilst there's a lot of online cooking, don't actually think that the kind of calibre and the, the, the breadth of content Is anywhere near what it could be, you know. Like you go to excellent restaurants in in all of the world, and that you know that that content doesn't exist online. It exists in restaurants, which is just you know the way the world has been. You know, you go to restaurants for excellent food, but like what about online? Like especially in this kind of post COVID world, people are at home a, a lot more, and world has become more and more digitalized. And so how do you, yeah, uh, create that content, you know, the same because, yes, you go to a restaurant because it's delicious and you eat that food. But you also, as a as a fanatic of food, want to learn about how to make that food, you know, mm. and that do- that's the, the kind of gap that I'm sort of referring to. That that doesn't that content doesn't really exist online. Like, you know, for instance, Google Google. Google how to make koji or Google how to make katsuboshi uh, or, or, you know, loads of these kind of very on-trend chef things that exist in restaurants, you know, here and there and everywhere in in the world, but they're just not online. How do you make it? You know, you get some really dodgy poorly made video that's not really very informative at all. You know, it's, 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 it's low quality content. It's just yet to be, Done, you know, uh not liberated, but you know what I mean. Like yep. to, to come online, there's so much room for like, yeah, high quality content to exist. So, 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 yeah. The Zero Waste Cooking School was born out of that. Like, hmm, you know there's so much room for better content on on important kind of cooking principles and cooking in general. And yeah, that is education. That yeah. you know, the sort of the common denominator with that content is 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 education you know it's it's there to, to to educate you can't eat it you know you can't eat a video yeah um, it's it's there yeah, for education. Not yet, anyway
0: <laughs> yeah no I I think it's such a massive part of it you know I I, I take it for granted I'm I, you know I'm in no way a professional chef but I am a, I, I love to cook and I I've yeah. spent the the 20 years of my adult life learning how to continually get better at that and yeah. one of the things that I've learned, and it's, this has only come to me quite, quite recently, is that actually this comes back to what you were talking about with regards to the, the, the provenance of the food. And actually when you, you bring in this big middleman of a, of a massive supermarket, what are they doing to that food before it even gets to your home? Yeah, absolutely. And, and there, yeah. there seems to be, thankfully, and I'm sure we've got a long way to go yet, but there seems to be a rise of more direct sellers of produce and yeah. uh, you're an ethically farmed and uh, regenerative techniques and and all of these things that we should all be talking about anyway yeah
1: yeah 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 i mean one of my like utopian visions would be super imagine imagine supermarkets were all like super farmers markets yeah um i can so, imagine <laughs> so yeah we all know why a farmer's market is the most ethical, sustainable, you know, hedonistic point of of you know where to buy ingredients, etc. And yeah, obviously it's uh, blue sky thinking, but yeah, I, I I would love you know this. There's so much to be said for the industry of agriculture on its on its sort of on its knees, and in every way bringing a farmer into a, a supermarket is the solution to so many problems you know from from the industrialization of agriculture like everyone knows everyone is in sustainability everyone knows that industrial agriculture is destroying the 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 soil The, the 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 nutrition that comes through into food through soil is being demolished the biodiversity the insects the bees are all being destroyed by industrial agriculture and the solution to that is 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 a more agrarian food system where you have independent farmers on a small diverse scale you know that is biodiverse you know there is a plethora of different bits of nature woven together rather than the big monocultures that you know was never part of nature's plan and so yeah the, the the farmer in the market the supermarket you know almost symbolically is the solution the cure to 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 all of these problems we have with agriculture it's it's the industry that i'm i'm most you know uh, yeah i don't hold much hope for uh, I, I really i really think that it's gone beyond point of no return and it it will get better but it's it's just tragic it's just tragic that milk is double the price of coca-cola right you know that's the world we live in you know that's 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 tragic you know tragic and you see all of these small dairy farmers been pushed out of business because of that reality you know the way in which society values food is, is totally warped and it's warped because of industrialism. This is why Silo is called a pre-industrial food system because the reality is that industrialism is why waste exists and it's why we have this warped perspective of food and the value of food. Industrialism gives us cheap food and it's a commodity. It's, pre- it's processed and it's dead.
0: You yeah. know,
1: it's not good for, for our bodies. It's not good for nature. It's basically lose-lose, yet it's cheap. And obviously, that's a, a very difficult subject to talk about—is—is—is is, is money and value. But um, essentially, yes, this is this is this is the problem. Yeah. Um, and I—I I, don't—I don't hold my breath and hope that it will fix itself.
0: Well, I suppose that the problem there is—is is that you—you've got mass corporation behind that that's that's a difficult animal to shift if you pardon the uh the the allusion to that but yeah uh,
1: absolutely
0: but i also think there's a lot again this comes back to to education this is not the sole way we win but you know i think the perception of you mentioned a farmer's market you go and get a a, you know an, an ethically reared leg of lamb for example and you go to a farmer's market or somewhere like that where where you pick up something and you know maybe a leg of lamb in sainsbury's cost you 15 pounds and one in a farmer's market cost you 35 pounds so mm. people are put off by that initial price but what yeah. they what they're not aware of is actually that that 15 pounds leg of lamb that you get in sainsbury's you might be lucky if you get six or seven portions out of whereas yeah, yeah, totally, the, the 35 pound yeah. one you get 17 18 portions out out of you know the, there's just yeah. a so the economy that i suppose the false economy that's presented by yeah, buying things yeah. cheaply and you know we we all could do with eating less food as well yeah. you know so don't put 100 grams of protein on your plate at dinner put 80 grams on uh, you're not going to die yeah. you know that's yeah there is harsh,
1: but... there is yeah there is no such thing as cheap food cheap food is it's just an illusion it's just a shift in which you know it's it's lighter on your 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 wallet your bank balance but it's heavier on the environment you know
0: yeah and on your health yeah
1: yeah absolutely oh god yeah yeah yeah, yeah totally and yes yeah, anyway it's probably your, your podcast is to cheer people up it so is yes
0: <laughs> well i was gonna uh, maybe i'll uh, i'll underline all of that then by saying at, at least we know how to fix this it's not something that Yes, it's yeah. you know way off in the distance, and we just go, We just can't figure out a way. I mean, obviously, we have to figure out a logistical way of making this work. But we know the methods that can do it, and we know the things. You know, it, it just needs a, enough of a movement to, to get behind it. That's going to you know shift. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Quite a lot. Well, to, to, yeah,
1: part to of make part of the next book, which I sort of mentioned before, is to like open source the solution to actually say well this is how the world could be zero waste and here is how yeah. and it will be airtight the, the plan will be airtight and i could yes it's 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 a little bit more it's you no know, it's more complex than the silo one because you're 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 relying on government you're relying on um councils you're relying on systems that are kind of beyond uh an individual's control whereas with my restaurant i take control of every single thing every single thing and if i can't then i just don't do that thing whatever that thing may be Um, whereas at home so to give you an example like at home it wouldn't make sense to make to mill flour and to to churn butter it just wouldn't make sense the economy of scale it's just doesn't make sense um you know the amount of time it takes to churn butter You'd spend, I don't know, half an hour making a a 200-gram block of butter. You know, maybe you do that once a week. And, like, that will cost you X amount of hours of your life, which if you put a value on that, you know, it costs six times more than buying a pack of butter. (laughs) You know, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So whereas in a restaurant, I can make that make sense, you know. But in a home, it's much more complex where you'd have to rely on someone showing that butter. But yeah, but it is possible. And then composting and recycling is a similar vein. You, whilst here, I will crush glass wine bottles into a powder and then my friend, the potter, will then turn it into products. You know, I'm, I'm finding a way around that flawed recycling system. Whereas at home, you're not, again, going to yeah. start crushing glass. <laughs> you know, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But it kind of does make sense in the restaurant so the, the the design of that zero waste system is is more complex uh however i do i will have that uh, design in the next book
0: yeah well great i mean I, I think half the battle is to present the the issues you're not necessarily going to have all the answers yourself but maybe somebody reads your book and goes "Do you know what i think i could fix that and, yeah uh, exactly you know, exactly and then, and then uh, you know just at least the discussion happens in People start yeah. putting it on the agenda and la 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 and all these sorts of things. Have you seen the, yeah. the documentary 2040? No, I haven't actually. Worth a watch. I was actually put onto this by Catherine Price from The the Caterer, who's been a, a guest on the show very kindly. Ah, right. And the reason she she presented this, I've kind of got my head into Save the World. I don't know how to do it yet, but I'm, I know that I want to get involved somehow. And I, I watched this documentary and the great thing about it is is that it, it presents the problems that we have. But it presents solutions that we also have right now for each of these kind of individual things that are a problem the agricultural system the the climate generally electricity all of these things uh, it 's really uplifting and it 's very quirkily done uh, and it 's worth worth a watch and actually yeah on the back of that, you mentioned earlier on you 'll go and google how to make Whatever it was that you said to go and make, I can't remember. I didn't write it down. But um, there's actually a there's a a search oh, engine. koji. Out.
1: Sorry, koji. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, and Katsubashi, Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's
0: Sorry. a a search engine out there called Ecosia, and I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but that's that's the spelling of it. And um, yeah. it's a very. So quick, is that an app? It's a it's a an extension to your operating system. So if you use chrome as an example at the moment yeah and you can go and download the extension to stick onto chrome and and it will then become your search engine instead of it being google and okay every search you do goes into a pot and i think it's every 47th search you do they plant a tree um wow and and they use all of the, the the revenue that they gain from searches and and things like that as you know as per a google model i suppose and they, um, they pump that back into regenerative projects around the world. So wow. I kind of tell is, please everyone. Please send me that. a link
1: to that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's amazing.
0: Because that's something that you do kind of without question every day. You know, I, I easily yeah. would do 15 to 20 searches a day on yeah, day, totally. different things. So, you know, just by changing a habit, you can um, possibly do your little bit.
1: Yeah, Totally so we've yeah, gone that's great
0: we've gone very very deep very very quickly um, <laughs> i actually i did want to get to all of this and maybe I, uh, my, my plan was to to talk about that a little bit further down the line but so let's tip yeah. it on its axis now and actually i'd love to talk about kind of your journey really and how did you get into hospitality in the first place i mean long before you you kind of discovered this this passion that, that, that you now have but but yeah, how did you how did you get in? You're originally from Doncaster, I think.
1: Sort of, I just down the road from Doncaster. Born in Worksop, which is okay. yeah, uh, not far away from there and the then, reason that was important yeah.
0: to me is cuz my my father's from Doncaster.
1: Oh really? Ah, yeah. uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, no, I spent um yeah, lots of time in Doncaster. I know it very very well. Yeah. So yeah, no, I uh, yeah, raised uh, in the north and hated school and you know like a lot of chefs are kind of rejects from that educational system and yeah I was no excuse I uh, hated school Hated, yeah. and just didn't really have many places to turn and there was just a local hotel one of <laughs> as bad as food could get if you know what I mean like it was a uh, frozen <laughs> Everything was frozen and then just tip it from a microwave onto a plate and put a sprig of curly parsley on your lamb shank. <laughs> you know, it was, <laughs> it was pretty dreadful.
0: We've all been there. Um,
1: yeah, and it was that was a, a local restaurant. I didn't know the difference. You know, from, for all I know, that was fine cuisine. I wasn't raised in a sort of foodie, foodie family. So, you know, food was kind of fuel and there wasn't a lot of art or you know wasn't a desirable thing to do or to think about so yeah it was more just like i need a job uh, so yeah. i was a kp and kind of yeah got into the kitchen because it was better than washing dishes so started that although i still love washing dishes it's one of my favorite sections in the restaurant really um That's awesome. no, it's so meditative you just kind of zone out and you get into a flow state you know washing the dishes and it's just peaceful and there's like so much less stress. Do you know
0: um, I, I kind of I get you. I um yeah, yeah, yeah. back to the domestic kitchen I actually don't mind washing dishes. I hate drying dishes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, no, it's anyway. uh
1: yeah, it's it's yeah, it's 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 great. And yeah, I just sort of went into the kitchen because it was I don't know, it was people to talk to and there was you could hear the music better in there and yeah, I don't know and then I had this like voice in my head and it was my PE teacher who said that I was dumb Um, and I still remember it even now that obviously scarred me yeah yeah it's like all right I'm dumb and I just I don't know I just had to like prove him wrong not that being a good chef necessarily makes means you're not dumb (laughs) but um you know you could just be like you know dogged and 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 just skillful anyway regardless i was just determined to to prove him wrong and to like not be a failure and so yeah i don't know like sent my cv to like the best restaurants in the uk and got the place at the time was called winteringham fields oh, which wow. is a two michelin michelin star restaurant yeah that's colin's um, place yeah previous to i was there before colin it was right. um Annie and Jermaine Schwab and and then I kind of came on that cusp of him taking over um, Wintringham and and yeah and, and Colin was a as, a as a mentor and a friend I haven't speak, spoken to him in a while but that's, that's then, on yeah. my, uh,
0: my list of places yeah to...
1: yeah well I'm, I'm due a visit as well but um, yeah and then I, I started work there and uh, it was super super high standards and I worked very, 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 very hard. Yeah, and then I guess developed a, a, a kind of high standard, You know, like I, I, yeah, two Michelin stars are very high standards, and um, yeah, worked way too hard, <laughs> way too many hours. Yeah, did it the hard way, and then don't know, and then uh, came to London, worked at St John. This was many, many years later. And staged all over, staged at the Fat Duck and staged at Noma. And, you know, this was back in 2008. Right. So it was quite a while ago. Well, 11 years ago.
0: But Well, I mean, Nine, some. 12. you've just named dropped yeah. some, uh, some fairly reasonable restaurants there.
1: Exactly. And then, um, where else? Yeah, where else did I work? I did loads of stages. And, um, yeah, and then worked at St. John. Uh, that was quite formative. The... Uh, approach to hospitality more than just cooking is an approach to an industry. I, f- I found refreshing, and it was a l- answered a lot of answered a lot of questions for me in terms of like where I what I kind of believed in and what I wanted to see within the industry. Yep. You know, it was a less aggressive environment. You know, there was less bullying and there was less hundred-hour weeks. It was still hard, but like nowhere near as hard as say Wintringham or, or other restaurants that I'd worked in. And I don't know, like the, the approach to food kind of had a purpose. You know, there was like, I think that's something I've always wrestled with is like having a purpose. Now, yeah. um, like why would you, why would you, why would you work a hundred hours for for no- for nothing, like ob- obviously you need to have something something on the horizon to to move towards, otherwise yeah. why on earth would you do anything and I don't know, St John just had this like this, this these values that I really like connected with I really liked, and then yeah. I don't know it it sort of ch- it molded me a lot as a chef in a good way I think I still silo still you could definitely see the St John in silo definitely
0: right. But that's probably um, um, a natural part of the process, right? Is is you you take the little bits of things, <clears throat> excuse me, the little bits of things that you learn and like, and they become yeah. part of you.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You're a product of your environment. You're a product of your education. You're a product of all the good and bad people and occasions in your life. And yeah, yeah. I think I think that's that's definitely true. And then I did did St. John and then went, I kind of had this kind of like thing about doing stages. I was like, I think stages are really, really good because with no kind of further commitment, you can glimpse a whole different world, you know, kitchens are like worlds and you go into that world and you, you meet people with different beliefs and different attitudes and different, pros and cons and strengths and weaknesses and you know different it's just it's like a world it's like going on a rocket ship into different planets and like witnessing how that world exists and and it gives you the more you witness the more comparison and contrast and uh i i I kind of felt wiser every time i'd I'd spent a, a an amount of time every time I left the kitchen for the final time you know I was like walking away from my kitchen I felt wiser yeah I felt like this has given me a kind of much greater perspective of the industry and therefore I can design or, or decide on the future that I want for me and my restaurant based on the perspective that I've just gained, you know, whether it's like I hated that kitchen because of X, I now no longer know that I will never do that X in my kitchen or in my career, you know, and and, and likewise with inspirations and techniques and, you know, everything from plates you're going to buy to just staff and like methods of, you know, management and everything. And the more, the more kitchens you can witness, even if it's for a day, the more you know you, you you can sort of see this bigger picture it is just data it's just data you know every single experience every kitchen is adding data and the more data you have the better your design the better you can design a restaurant the better you can design your career or you know your values right. or whatever and i suppose so i went on this principle
0: was um, as travel right i mean the more places you go yeah. see the more diverse your opinion the more I think, the more grounded you become, and you get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly of the world—not yeah, just totally. the, the, that that exists on your doorstep.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, so then, threw
1: then you when, off. no, 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 totally no. And then I was just staging all around the world, and then yeah, I felt quite like enlightened by that process. And then met an artist in uh, Sydney who was called Joost Backer. Now, it's spelt J-O-O-S-T, like juiced, yep. uh, but pronounced like toast with a Y. Right. Toast. He's Dutch-born, but like, Aussie, proper Aussie guy, but like, he's seven foot tall and very Dutch-looking. They, um, they do make them
0: big, don't they? From, from they Holland. do, yeah. And I, I'm sorry <laughs> to stereotype Dutch people. Uh, if there's any, any short ones out there, I do apologise.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, um, and he's a bit of a genius i say a bit like a total genius so he is quite a unique human because he has the mind of a a six-year-old boy but the intelligence of a a a, a six-year-old you know very intelligent man right um and what's unique about his mind is that he has this like childishness this naivety where you think that like anything's possible you know the way his brain would let information in was super unique whereas most um you know you you grow up into the world and you're told things and you then believe things and you have this structure of thinking about the world which can then you know reject new information like someone could say to you i believe in this or i think that and you'd say no 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 because of you know the things you've learned in your life whereas yoast had this like childishness where he would like be open to all new information now that's a unique thing within creatives or it's uh the kind of the the what's the word it's the key ingredient in creativity is like allowing new information in because if you reject all new information then you'll have no, nothing to say you'll have nothing to express you'll have no new ideas because yeah. with no information then you know you're not going to create anything and ghost was just an extreme that like, he was just so naive and so childish that he had all of these like genius ideas and a lot of them were were were, were you know uh, i wouldn't say wrong but like
0: the world wasn't I ready think- for them yet
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's probably the perfect way to, to say it. Yeah, the world wasn't ready. And he's quite radical, you know, and has this insane, insane intelligence. Like his knowledge, like his scientific knowledge on agriculture and soil nutrition and biodiversity and biodynamics and, you know, gut health. And anyway, he had all this wealth of knowledge. But then he was a you know an artist, uh, and then he was a fifth generation farmer. so he had this incredible variety of, of of knowledge bases and skills which led him to have this idea. well he had multiple ideas around building made from waste materials that was designed to be a farm in an urban environment <laughs> to be close to self sufficient. Uh, anyway so it's like this My kind life. of quite yeah yeah quite advanced you know uh project he called it was then called the greenhouse it is now he's called because it's kind of evolved a lot in the last you know 11 12 years yeah uh i forgot what it's called now future future food system future what's it called Sorry, i'm just quickly checking because uh, it's just about to launch oh, okay. uh, future food system so That's probably what's getting what is,
0: right then isn't it <laughs>
1: yeah yeah he's it's called future food system and it's on uh instagram and it's about to kick off um Brilliant. and he's a genius so do do check him out
0: heading there uh, right but now. anyway
1: i was i was at the right place at the right time when he was i guess looking He was actually looking at a, a, a london greenhouse uh, one of these buildings and he immediately kind of took a shining to me and I don't know what, you know, he is some sort of, like, clairvoyant. He could, like, see into my future and know that I was the right person for this project. Well, hopefully, I've I've done him proud and I've proved him, you know, obviously with what I've done with Silo, I've proved he he was right or, you know, done him proud, basically. Um, But he knew within, like, half an hour of meeting me that he wanted me to be the head chef of his greenhouse which didn't actually happen and then we just changed you pivoted and changed our plan to opening what was the first zero waste restaurant in the world which was in 2012 and it was called Silo and it was like a a year-long pop-up in Melbourne or like a residency whatever you want to call it and that was where Silo started that was his vision, not mine i'm the uh the arbiter of zero waste i'm the guy that makes it happen. The guy that figures it out and you know uses my own creativity to fix problems every single day, but he was the the visionary he was the yeah he was the guy that said, "Could you have a restaurant that doesn't have a bin and I was like, "Yes." <laughs> Not knowing yeah, well. what the hell I was, what the hell he was talking about, I was clueless. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I didn't well, like, even know what the uh, word
0: hospitality thing of just say yes and we'll figure it out later, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I didn't know what the word sustainability was. I I sat in a lunch with him, nodding uh, when he was talking about sustainability, and I was like nodding, and I didn't even know what it meant. I was that sort of uneducated. I really was clueless. Incredible. But I was yeah no I I was so in awe of this guy because he's just he's, yeah he just has this kind of presence this kind of magic aura and I was so in awe of it and yeah it would have said yes to him but he told me to you know jump off of the greenhouse and do a backflip you know into the yeah. into the Yarra River and I would have done it
0: it seems uh, like though that, but, yeah. that was a, a, a that's collaboration right there though right the idea came from someone else perhaps but you know, your your kind of grunt and hard work and creativity uh, have played a massive, massive part in making that idea reality.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, Ghost will rhapsodise about me for for until the cows come home. He, we're very, very close. We're good friends. We don't see each other or speak to each other half as much as we like. But um, I think he's very, very proud of what I've done with Silo. He. Right. Essentially, created had an idea, a fleeting idea. He has a lot of ideas, and one of his negatives is like any artist, he has uh, an idea and then leaves it somewhere and then moves on to the next ten ideas. You know, because it feels as a as a creative as as an artist, it feels good to express an idea. You know, that's what you get your thrill from. And in this case, he kind of left me with this intellectual property of silo, and then I ran with it. You know, I, I, I I I I had to come home to the UK for family. My dad was 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 not very well and I had to, yeah, unfortunately leave this incredible time and place, you know, in, in Melbourne in 2012. Mm-hmm. It started in Sydney as a pop-up and then the greenhouse and then the greenhouse went to Melbourne and then we decided to stay in Melbourne and do this silo. And then but anyway, then after a year of, of, of silo in Melbourne, I said to Joost, I need to go home to be with my dad. He said, "Of course, go. You know, can I do anything?" He drove me to the airport, and he said, "You know, Silo is Silo is you. You know, uh, yeah. I want you to take it." So yeah, I, I, I sort of adopted uh, that idea that that yeah, Silo is a business. So yeah, and then and then spent a bit of time. I was only twenty six. I was in went back to the north to to sort of be with my dad and had a year up north kind of reflecting and contemplating how to continue on this same path and then yeah just was visiting East London realising that I could not afford a, a set of keys you know Um right yeah and then and then started looking started thinking outside the box and was like went down to Brighton and then it was definitely um, fate found a, a warehouse that was um, uninhabited and empty and uh yeah just didn't have it wasn't even on the market it was I just knocked on the door and said what's going on in this space and I happened to meet the guy who had the lease on it and he was just like well you know sort of nonchalant I was gonna set up a little cafe in here but I've just not had the time so I said well you know I, I have this idea of a restaurant would you be interested in me running a restaurant here? And he was very sort of, um, you know, a non-averse to risk-taking kind of businessman. He, you know, he really took a huge gamble saying yes to this 26-year-old with this yeah. kind of prophetic chatter about zero waste and pre-industrial food systems. And, you know, he was just like nodding politely and, Thinking to himself, well, it beats me setting up a cafe. So yeah, fair enough. Go go for it. And then he became a business partner, David. Yeah, and took such a wild leap of faith with me. <laughs> such a wild leap of faith because you know, whilst I was a good chef, I'd never opened a restaurant before. I'd never even really been a head chef before, not really. Right. Um, certainly not of a large team. And then to let me run a restaurant under his in his building with his money essentially well it was a pretty paltry investment you know we we literally opened a restaurant with uh 33000 pounds which as i'm sure you know is nothing it's yeah. like you know, the the, the, the bathroom at silo cost that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and uh and yeah so with this very paltry investment I managed to beg, steal, and borrow enough to kind of get us over the line, though it was as ghetto as a restaurant could have possibly been. And yeah, we opened. Well, Trendy, I, you I mean? Opened, Trendy. Yeah, uh, yeah, trend outside that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, it was, it, yeah, it was. And then Silo Brighton happened in 2014. And so that's sort of, yeah, yeah the beginning of where I made it my own. Yeah. And it's been a, a bit of a slog ever since. That was, the last six years have been, yeah, like crawling through mud, yeah, chewing on glass. It's not been easy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's well, a lot
1: easier now. Like there's less mud and less glass in my teeth.
0: Well, we, uh, we, we spoke yeah. before uh, before we press record about the the line on your banner on, on Twitter that progress is messy. I, I think yeah, you yeah, yeah. you know you, you only need to uh, e- ecosia. Not to Google. Ecosia. You're, uh, you're uh, yeah. on YouTube, and I, I noted that you've you've done a a TEDx talk yeah. as well. How did that yeah. come about? Um, do you know what? Of
1: all the things that I've done in my career, that was one of the best and worst things I've done. The TED talk. <laughs> um, so I wrote. I spent six months writing that script. This came way before the book. Now. I, I had set this business up, silo up, and Yost had conceptualized it in a very, very primitive way. You know, it was like, you know, those three steps that we talked about earlier, those three pillars, that was his IP and that was his idea. And But then beyond that, there's, a lot of interrogation of this concept. There is trying to make sense of everything. And it's um, a completely, a radically different system, a radically different business. And there was so much to figure out and so much kind of meaning and value and heartache and and and, and um, valor and all these like extreme, everything in the spectrum of of, of running a restaurant was, was was just to a, such a different channel, you know? Yeah. And to try and talk about that in a TED talk, uh, I spent six months kind of writing, you know, a TED talk that could have gone on for three hours, but then <clears throat> stripping it back to, uh, you know, 80 minutes or whatever. And that was an amazing process because... There were so many, like imagine just like a brainstorm with like 20,000 ideas wrote down. And it's like, right, how do I distill that? How do I make a nice little talk out of all this information, all these thoughts and feelings and da 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 da, da. And so, yeah, for six months, I would just constantly rewrite and rewrite and rewrite this, this script. And it was so, so, so beneficial because I spent the rest of it, my life ever since then has been doing talks and doing podcasts. and Yeah, bloody podcasts. Basically, uh, but, but, and also the book, the book was the big one um, in terms of like crystallizing and galvanizing the, the IP of of Silo. And it's so important to say it clearly, say it simply. And it wasn't simple in my head before that Ted talk. It was, if, if you'd have done a podcast with me then, I would have just been like so like confusing because I'd sort of know what I was talking about, but I would go the very, very long way around explaining something and it would just seem very, very confusing and no one would understand what the hell smell was and why it was important because I wouldn't be able to say it. But that TED Talk was just this really, really, really concise process of being less, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And ever since, that's been highly beneficial. However, I don't think the TED talk is very good. I actually, uh, yeah, there was a lot of technical problems. I actually had to, I said the talk in front of 600 people. And then they told me there was no sound. There was a problem with my microphone. And so I had to wait for 600 people to leave the auditorium. And do it again to zero people, or like maybe like six people. Oh, God. And the way in which you feed from your energy is is like entwined with the audience. Yeah, you know, you're giving a TED talk. You know, there's people laughing or or sighing, and you react from that. And when there's zero people there, like anyway, upon rewatching, which I haven't rewatched it in maybe a couple of years, it is quite. I find it quite dull. I find it quite. Anyway, I, I, I'm picking it apart, but I, I, I don't think it's a, a, one of um, uh, the greatest pieces of work. I think that it could have been simpler. I think that the energy is is flat, whereas I, I'm very, very proud of the book. And I, I would sort of direct anyone that was interested in Silo to the book, because the book is, again, it's not perfect. Nothing is. There's no such thing as perfection. But um, it's a lot kind of, it's a, it's a much
0: better product.
1: It's... Uh, better presentation of, of 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 silo and the ideas yeah, yeah.
0: of the detail etc and yeah but I, th- I suppose you you've now got that as something that really transcends yourself and the time that you're here you know if yeah. this is a, yeah, a catalyst yeah, yeah. to to a, a few people getting on board with it and and exploring the concepts themselves because you've made them viable and you've made them you've kind of yeah. done the blood sweat and tears so other people don't have to um yeah notwithstanding exactly. the, you know, the fact that you know people will will inevitably bring their own creativity and possibly evolve a few Absolutely. things yeah there.
1: But, bring it on, bring but it on. Also,
0: yeah and that's one of the things that the, the message i get from from you from uh, things that i've kind of watched you on and and the like is that you're not you're not precious about this concept this is something that you believe can make a make a big difference to a lot yeah. of different people and uh if yeah. you're if you're precious about that then you know it, it you're i suppose you'd kind of be counterintuitive as to why you did it in the first place
1: yeah 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 i'd, I'd sort of hide all of it wouldn't be a blueprint you know it would be like yeah. like a, one of the problems i have with a lot of cookbooks is it's like all of the vectors of information are pointing at the chef so it's like you know big picture big glossy kind of front covers of it of a chef and to me i insist that there is no image of me not even tiny little thumbnail image of me in the book because it's not about me it's about this idea you know silo is much 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 bigger than than me and that's what's important yeah yeah so yeah that's just hopefully carries through with 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 silo like i don't want it to be about me i I really don't it's sometimes tricky because i need to you know be this sort of maverick you know spokesperson for the the brand but yeah it's it's i do my very very best to uh always make it about the the mission and the, the the you know the ideas and spreading that as openly and as honestly as i can possibly you know spread it
0: yeah yeah I also remember in one of the the videos I saw, I think you may, it might have even been that TEDx talk actually that that when you're kind of proposing new ideas and new concepts, is that you you get shot at a lot. Does yeah. that yeah? Does that still happen, or are people now on- a lot less? <laughs> a
1: lot less in Brighton. Like I was a bit of a loudmouth as well. Like in Brighton, I definitely got into some hot water because I was a bit sort of. Um, not bombastic, but i was if somebody i wouldn't uh i don't know I would speak my mouth to my detriment um, right. and have very strong opinions and just not be as as cautious and as um subtle as 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 perhaps I should be because you know it's the the risk is when i i don't know like say something that is negative if that turns back in on itself it can damage the business it could damage yeah. the I, you know i believe that the idea is so powerful that it will it will succeed regardless of of of, of how i it's already succeeded you know I, it, even if i was to, to to stop tomorrow the idea would live on because it's so strong yeah but at that time the business itself was so fragile You know, we were like, I didn't pay myself for four years, the equivalent of four years in that five years, you know, of working. Yeah, I didn't pay myself. Um, It was that fragile. And, you know, we weren't busy on every night, but Saturday night, we weren't busy. There was so much stress. There was so much kind of heartache. There was so many failures. It was pretty disheartening. And to go out and start bad mouthing, I don't know, uh, just whatever, like, not that I was bad mouthing other people or other things, but then when what I was standing up for was, was the business and if somebody was, you know, rude to us, instead of just taking the high road, I would, you know, I wouldn't have it. I would say, you know, this is bullshit. Like, why are you doing that? And really go after them. And that was caused me a lot of problems. Right. Um, but the, the, the problem was the sort of irresponsible behavior of that was like it it really affected the business like yeah really really damaged the business and that was a uh, kind of a very rough storm to sort of to survive yeah. and it's very different now like london we're in a whole new environment and it's all almost as if you know the dust has settled and like, it's a fresh start and like we've we've been super busy and it's very different now but in brighton it was very very touch and go for a while
0: right right yeah interesting i suppose that, you know, you you take the the learning from the lesson right it's um yeah you, you'll probably taught you a, a very valuable thing to move forward with in the uh, in the protection of your 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 business and livelihood and the livelihood of of the people that 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 trust you to be the key holder um, yeah the, uh, yeah, I, I suppose as well. When you're you're kind of bringing new ideas to the to the table, one of the things that I, I've spoken about this before is that if you're trying to 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 change the game, it's important that you keep as many people at the table as possible, um, yeah. rather than yeah, yeah. Yeah, alienating. Totally. That's the way that that kind of real change happens. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, otherwise, you, know, you can see it in many different movements uh, around the world. If people are just mm. pre- preaching all the time, then you stretch people off and um absolutely uh, and which is like...
1: why i really wanted to to do the zero waste cooking school because what that does is makes the ideas accessible to every single person on the planet yeah. you know everyone has an uh, access to youtube <laughs> whereas not everyone can come to silo it's a uh, a sort of trendy east london restaurant with a, a you know a price point that that isn't accessible to every single person you know yeah. um so that was it was kind of like democratizing uh silo you know the ideas are like out there and for everyone to be part of and to have a say in and give feedback on and you know and yeah just yeah so yeah that's why i wanted the the zero waste cooking school to to, to exist
0: yeah well that's part of the evolution as well right is you're taking it to a wider audience as well and and you know especially with the the concept of the next book that's a a really uh, strong preemptive thing to do for that but also adds value to what you do on a daily basis
1: yeah totally yeah
0: um so when i assume when we get out of lockdown effectively you'll be running a restaurant running a an online cookery school and your your shop as well
1: Yes yes
0: any anything else
1: <laughs> no no, no. That, that's, that's enough. So, the idea is an ecosystem so like i'm not a big i don't like a, a chain the idea of a chain of restaurants like right. i don't understand other than money which i think is the main motivation why would you open multiple restaurants
0: yeah. like
1: for me it's money and as in sorry the reason you someone would open multiple of like a chain it's for the reason of money and that's fair enough. You know, everyone has the different motivations and agendas. That's not what gets me up in the morning. Um, I need to make money to, to do the things that I do actually want to do, you know, to facilitate the, 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 the ideas, but the, yeah, the, the idea with I, so stressful running a restaurant, so, so stressful. Why would you want two of them or three of them? Right. Uh, whereas <laughs> one, you know, I just want to have this, like, you know, like masterclass, like all of these ideas are just performed to an extraordinarily high level at this one place. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I take on a second or a third place, it will dilute the brilliance of, of Silo. And I never want to do that. I just want Silo to be as brilliant as possible. You know, it's almost like this zero waste Mecca, you know, and um, people from, come from people do come from all over the world, to, to to work here to eat here you know and, and that's what I want that's what I want to continue and I want to just be better and better and better to set this kind of hopefully shining example of like how being ethical sustainable zero waste um, mindful of, of of agriculture how all of those things can be absolutely brilliant And I, and I mean the product can be brilliant there is no like compromise in fact it can be world-class and all of those things at the same time you know and that's why i wouldn't want multiple restaurants and and instead when when new projects you know are warranted uh, such as the shop and the zero waste cooking school they're complementary to one another so one of them supports the other you know it's like an ecosystem whereas yeah. where people there's all of these amazing like highly <coughs> pardon me highly designed materials that we have established over like a very long time and spent you know thousands of hours developing. And for us to use it in the kitchen's great, but it's quite limiting. But then to be able to sell it and be products for people to buy is is very complimentary, yeah? Yeah. So yeah, in that way it supports the restaurant um and then the zero waste cooking school much more so in it, it benefits that education thing you know we're talking about like but, but populating even educating the industry you know it's just a, a, a space it's that content online you know yep. um and we will be you know making koji how to make koji and um, hey. we will be like how <laughs> to make butter how to make bread uh, sourdough how to mill flour how to ferment make a garum and how to make you know all of these extraordinary products that we make will 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 take it online so people can you know learn and hopefully adopt these ideas in their own restaurants and their own homes and yep. yeah yeah so it's all complimentary
0: no that's that's brilliant i'm conscious of time but there's a couple of things i just wanted to 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 chat briefly about i i became a little bit obsessed with your your lemon carrots
1: oh yeah 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 yeah
0: uh, just talk yeah, us through that, that, was, uh, that for uh, anyone that was, who doesn't uh, know what yeah.
1: I'm talking about. So, back in the Brighton days, I was, uh, as maybe I've suggested already, was a lot more risky, a mo- lot more cavalier, a lot more impetuous. I would take chances and gamble and, you know, it was good in some ways and bad in other ways. It was bad for business. It was bad for consistency. It was bad for, there was a lot of st- stress and bad days. But, there was the odd, odd diamond in the rough, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. When Dan Barber asked me to do a, a dish for the Wasted pop up on the roof of Selfridges, I think that was two thousand sixteen. I'm not even sure now. Right. Um Yeah, I think that, it was two thousand sixteen. Well, that's
0: that's a um, name to ask you to do a dish.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's a bit of a, a bit of a, a god in 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 sort of sustainable yeah uh, hospitality you that, know that well, episode on netflix sustainable?
0: yeah they're the, absolutely putting front and center on the map for me and i mean i yeah, I, yeah. I don't need an excuse to go and eat well anywhere i, yeah, I, I yeah, his definitely. restaurant sits in my top five to visit in the world
1: yeah yeah definitely so you know when he asked you to do a dish comprised of waste which was his project called wasted i took i uh it upon myself to to kind of take it to the next level. I had this like burning desire to like really excel because obviously it's my territory, you know, uh, this whole thing around waste. So yeah, basically, again, it's quite an abstract, really, really uh, avant-garde idea, but I, and it happened quite, you know, how most creative ideas happen. And again, going back to what I said at the beginning, this talk about creativity, it's and Yoast was like allowing new information in, you know, and like connecting dots because yep. you're giving them a chance, these these ideas a chance. And so I was stood I remember it was two two twenty in the morning and it was just a hellish day and everything had gone wrong and I was just like I had the last one there and I was feeding the compost machine we had a, an aerobic digester which would turn up to 60 kilos of organic matter or organic waste into compost in one day in 24 hours it was a hell of a bit of kit we were sponsored it so it was yeah we thankfully we didn't have to pay for it um yep. an amazing bit of kit and i was stood there at two twenty in the morning with carrots under my i had a, like a crate of carrots like one of these small mushroom crates with, with carrots in it and i remember thinking to myself Hmm. this compost you know the carrots were just to, to one side of me and i was smelling the compost you know we called the compost machine bertha uh we named her and yeah. um bertha's compost that night was smelling like christmas pudding but really really like zesty and i was like why does it smell like that because it looks the same it just turns into this brown kind of compost you know it doesn't yeah. look like anything um anything specific Anyway, and then I just had this like, idea of, of taking compost and baking carrots in the compost, because I was thinking in my head, and this is again like, allowing new information in, is like, well, salt baking a, a root vegetable like a carrot is a good thing, check. Carrots and like coffee make sense, you know, because it, it, I say Chris, it smelled like Christmas pudding, but like there was a lot of coffee that would always go into Bertha, right. you know, the coffee ground. Um, So, smelling definitely a level of, of coffee, and I was like, mm, coffee and carrots, that's a combination that works. And then it was like this citrusy thing. I was like, well, carrots and citrusy thing, that works. And then this whole Christmas pudding vibe, I was like, well, you know, I can't see why not, you know, that works. And then I was like, well, okay, all these things make sense, you know. But then, if you, without all of that as context, cooking a carrot in compost does seem quite absurd, you know. Um, <laughs> But nonetheless, I went downstairs, weighed the compost, put 1% salt into it. Or was it 2%? I can't remember. Uh, Yeah, so made like a a sort of salt dough out of compost. And it was like a dough, you know, you could like mould it like putty. And so I wrapped the carrots in this salty, (laughs) fragrant compost around these carrots I think I think that was the next day. I can't really remember. And then, uh, anyway, baked the carrots in compost. Everyone was like, "What are you doing? Like, you really? <laughs> that, that's the pot." Like, anyway, I did it, and I kid you not, these carrots were one of the most extraordinary things I've ever tasted, and definitely in the top two carrots I've ever tasted in my life. Like, I've tasted some pretty <laughs> good carrots, yeah. But this was it was it was a real surreal moment, and uh, these carrots like tasted not of carrot they had the fudgy sweet sort of texture of a carrot but it tasted like a a lemon smells or the flavor of lemon without the acidity and it also had this kind of yeah this background flavor of kind of christmas pudding this kind of rich you know dried fruit sort of citrusy sort of vibe going on yeah, and it was just it—it it, it was so clear the flavour of like lemon, but without the citrus. It was so much of a, a head spinner, you know. so kind of confused by it, and I was like, "This is extraordinary." And then I was like, "Why is it so citrusy?" That was the kind of the million dollar question. Why is it so citrusy? Mm. Anyway, racking my head for—I for, was making everyone taste these carrots, saying, "Have you it's, have you ever tasted anything like it?" And everyone was like flabbergasted and dumbfounded and you know and i was just like why the hell is it tasting of lemon anyway it turns out that the brewers who we, we had like a little micro brewery um that we worked with had 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 composted like 60 kilos of of lemon waste scattered being like they extracted everything the zest and the juice it was just the pith Anyway, they put they put sixty kilos of it in the compost machine, which is a significant capacity. And so I was like, "This is brilliant! Like the 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 the, the makeup of the compost is imparted, like the DNA of it is imprinted into my carrot." Yeah. <laughs> what are the, what? So then again, new information like allowing it in what possibilities could we then you know create what could we if we treat the compost like a recipe like a like a stock you know you're 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 creating a recipe of compost and we could design that for cooking in you know and how then could what other doorways would then open anyway so it's like it's very kind of abstract creative culinary adventure into composting food and you know cooking food in compost and anyway when da- that was around the time Dan Barber asked me to do this thing and I was like cool we're gonna like recreate the lemony compost almost like symbolically yeah. the the week before the wasted pop-up I composted uh 100 kilos of scraps was quite a, a um a logistical process to organize you know insisting that the brewers brew lemonade or whatever it is they do with lemon kombucha etc whatever it is they're using lemon for to do it on this specific date which they were very very accommodating and and did make a huge amount of lemon products that were by the way intercepted from a supermarket i.e going to landfill because they were the wrong shape or size so it was truly waste made from waste and then we composted that waste of the waste, you know, cause they made the lemon juice and whatever into products. So then use this kind of pith, basically put it every day. We kind of drip fed 10 kilos into the machine, um, the, the sort of 10 days before. And then I went to Selfridges with like a big bag of compost. Um, and then basically cooked carrots on the roof of Selfridges in <laughs> compost. and. I, I had this quite eccentric last minute and I mean last minute decision to to smoke the carrots. I wanted to take it a step further because I was being more impetuous than ever, like, you know, really, <laughs> really, really shaking the tree. And my sous chef at the time is this Norwegian guy. His face, when I said burn the carrots, so it's basically uh, a tray bake. You, your carrot's buried in compost. Mm. And what I said to him was, take the lid off, turn the oven up to 300 degrees and smoke the hell out of them. Burn the crap out of that compost because then the smoke will fill into it. And it was a really, really silly, risky thing to do.
0: Having never anyway, tried this before.
1: Having never tried it before. About, as you're about to... and, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, like, some of the a biggest A-list of the food world. I, the night before me was Alan DeCasse. And I was, like, following Maybe. Alan DeCasse. So, no pressure. And, yeah, that's uh, off on And its own. Made, made this crazy decision to, like, burn the hell out of it. Anyway, half an hour later, this guy, the sous chef, came through and his face was white. He was so... Like, oh yeah, like he'd seen a ghost. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, the extraction's not working and the room is full of like black smoke. And I was like, oh crap. And I went in there and there was all these chefs coughing. I was like, oh God, what have I done? Anyway, it was very, 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 very stressful. And he looked like he was gonna have a a panic attack. (laughs) Um, And anyway, this tray of carrots smoldering came into the service kitchen that was in the back kitchen. Uh, in front of Dan and uh, Adam Kay and all these chefs. (laughs) And I was just like, this better taste right. This better taste like that bloody lemon. Anyway, it couldn't have been, uh, Fortune could not have favoured the brave more than it did on this day. And these carrots was like immense. It was just the most pure lemon flavour, but this perfectly smoked, yeah, kind of... uh, um, accent to the carrots it was perfect it was so perfect and the the texture was fudgy and it was just absolutely sensational and the whole room every single person was handed a, a slice of carrot because the excitement when Dan Barber tasted this carrot he was just like this is extraordinary and he was just shaking his head anyway and it was like a, a a massive success a massive massive success and anyway and um people still comment people still like talk to me about that that dinner and i i must admit i got extraordinarily lucky because i've done it dozens of times ever since and got it wrong right um so yeah <laughs>
0: yeah so, so there was no uh specific recipe at that time it was just all in your head so let's give this a go and see if it works absolutely yeah well pick your forums to to try these things in that's that's immense yeah yeah well look i'm going to i'm going to wrap this up because i i'm conscious i've taken up yeah. uh, a lot of your time but i massively appreciate your time i think uh, also it's probably worth noting that um, the idea on its own probably wouldn't work if you weren't delivering uh, a very high caliber product um mm. and just in terms of you know that's quite an important part of food as well uh, you know th- th- there's no doubt that what you're doing is you know everything that that it should be which is you know it's a spectacle in itself the, the idea is amazing it's just I think it's you are you're, you're to be saluted um, and it just proves very much as well you know that, that good things are definitely worth working hard for and I think you've uh, you've also definitely proven your PE teacher to be wrong
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate, uh, yeah, you saying so and, and for giving me the chance to talk on your podcast and um, hopefully a few people will listen and, I don't know, I'll take something from it.
0: Yeah, no, I I, well, I hope so too. <laughs> um, no, great stuff. Well, have a, a good rest of the evening and, and thanks again.
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much. No problem. Take care. Have a care. good evening. You too. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. and there we have it what an absolute privilege it was to get some time with Douglas and he has pioneered an amazing concept and a bit of a movement around zero waste something that I believe should be taken seriously by everyone thanks so much Douglas don't forget we launch a brand new episode each week so hit that subscribe button and give us a like and a share where you can thanks for listening and we'll see you next week